Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create amazing relationships. I'm George Campbell, joined by Jade Warshaw, and this is your show, America. We want to help you take the right next step with your money in your life. The number to call is 888-825-5225. Jacqueline starts us off in the North Pole, literally. Wow. Jacqueline, is this true information? Yes, we're hanging out here with Santa in negative 40-degree weather right now in Alaska. Holy moly! I, I wanted to pull the Will Ferrell, you know Santa? <laughs> Wonderful. My nephew actually has said that, and it's it's awesome. I mean, it was a beautiful moment for me because I love Elf. Incredible. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny you guys talked about side hustles earlier because um, I because we live in the North Pole, there's not a whole lot of resources up here, um, and it's very expensive to live here. Uh, so my husband got stationed up here. He's, he's Air Force. And um, he got stationed up here, and we had some major sticker shock when we got up here um, because things are just so incredibly expensive. So I started babysitting as kind of like a side hustle to pull in a little bit of extra money, and it exploded into this ridiculously good-paying job. Wow. Um, so we weren't great. lying. That was no. one of the ones we mentioned. Right. Um, it's, I, earn, I, I can earn anywhere between uh, $6,000 to $11,000 in a month, Woo! Um, just depending on the need at, at the time and how much I can handle. Um, how I many hours does that, side. how many hours does that equate to? Just curious. Um, I, I usually open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So okay. So it's like a daycare. Roughly. Yes. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Um, but I also homeschool my, my five children um, at the same time. So it's, it has to, like, the, the workload has to coincide with what I can, you know, manage with that as well. So right. it, that's why it fluctuates so much. My question is, um, I've been contemplating possibly taking this business to, like, turning it into an actual business. Um, I'm wondering, though, if I should because, of course, being in the military, we don't know how long I'm going to be here. Um, and, I mean, that could range anywhere from, you know, another year to maybe three years, depending on my husband's job. Um, what does that mean when so, you say turn it into an actual business? Is that like actually renting space and, and turning it into a, an official daycare? Okay. And the purpose to doing that would be so that you can bring in more kids and earn more money? Yes, because there's a, there's a desperate need. Like I've, I've had people call me crying because they desperately need to go to work and, and, they, and I just don't have any more room. And, and it's just, it's heartbreaking to have those phone calls and just say, I'm mm. so sorry. I just cannot do anything else. Um, so your goal is to rent so, some space locally, hire more people, and expand this operation? Correct. Yes. Okay. And what's your question? The, well, the issue is, is I, I don't know, one, how to even begin doing that. And then mm -hmm. two, if it's even worth it to do that, because like I said, we could be gone in a year or two. Well, when so, I, when you mentioned that to me, assuming, assuming all the other things are in, in place for a moment, assuming you don't have any other debt, assuming that I, my first thought would be like, okay, what's this going to cost me? And I'm looking around right. at buildings and then my biggest, my brain goes to insurance because I'm thinking, okay, right. liability insurance liability, is the hardest yeah. part of daycare. Yeah. So right. that's where your I believe that that's where your research is going to start. Have you ever already looked into that? Um, I have looked into that, and it it is quite expensive here. Um, everything here is just like I said. You, I mean, you take it from the lower forty-eight. Anything that costs, you know, I don't know, ten dollars, you, you multiply it by about three. 
Um, and, and that's what your, the prices are, are up here. And the question is, because you have such a big, if, if you have the demand that you say you have, and if you're thinking to yourself, listen, I found this place on the corner. I know what the rent is. I know what the liability insurance is going to cost me with the demand that I think I'll have. Will I be able to offset that in a way that I can actually make a profit? That's the question. Got it. Okay. Okay. And also be thinking uh, about licensing, board of health, background checks for employees. There's a lot mm-hmm. going on here. You know, getting an actual business set up, business banking and all of that is going to be a part of this. So I would... Your next step is just do a lot of homework and maybe talk to people who have been in this business locally. Because I assume there there's daycares in the North right. Pole area, right? Yes. There just are. not enough. There are a few. Yeah, there's just not, not a lot because a lot of them go under due to the financial stress of everything you guys just spoke about. And I don't want that to happen um, to you. If that's happening, there's right. a reason for it, and it just may not be a sustainable business. And that might mean you need to scale down the business and go, all right, I can only take on five kids a month and I'm going to do it out of my house until we move and I'm mm-hmm. not going to make this a business. Or you could mm-hmm. figure out a way that's, listen, I'm trying to think through this with you. A, I hear what George is saying. There, It, it might be because there's just a, an issue with the how expensive things are. That's why people's businesses are failing. Or listen, talk to those owners and figure out what was going wrong because some people, they're good at watching kids, but they're not good at running a business, right? So it could right, be that their right. business sense was off if if whatever you find out, you could also get with a buddy and be like, listen, I've been running this daycare. What would you think about? Would you be willing to open your home and run a daycare? I'll show you how I do it. So it's almost like you're uh, creating a bit of a franchise out of this with other moms that you know, and maybe they're opening your homes and you're helping them get that started and you're taking a cut. There's a lot of things that you could do here to get creative. But I think the crux of everything that George and I are saying is whatever you decide to do, you're stacking up cash and you're not going into a bit of debt in order to do it. Because right now you're in this right. place where it's cash flowing. It's making you a lot of money. What I don't want is for you to get excited about moving forward, get locked into something and feel like your only option is to go into debt or take out a loan in order to fund some aspect of this business. Fair? Right. Well, I have I have one other option that I might be able to consider. And they're actually the woman that built, built the house that we currently live in because we, we have no debt other than our house currently okay, um, we, we have plenty plenty put aside for um, retirement considering our ages good. and uh, we we've got every like everything kind of our ducks are, are in a row so to say okay um, and I, I, don't, I just don't want to jeopardize that because my oldest son is uh, special needs and probably will be um, dependent on my husband and I for the rest of his life in one sense of the, of the word or another so we're trying to find like my my original dream was to become a pilot and I still want mm-hmm. to um, achieve that dream at some point. Um, but the, the older I get, the less likely it seems that that's actually going to happen. Um, so I'm trying to look for alternatives. And I, my, my one question to you guys would be like, could I run a business like this from long distance? Like say we were to move, excuse me, say we were to move and I could run the business from, I would just uh, sell the business system. before you move. I agree. Yeah. I think okay. it's going to be too much headache and it's going to end up causing you financial stress and yeah. emotional stress especially with ch- yeah. it's child care i just feel like that could it's got so it's much. not exactly a remote business right you know what i mean yeah. right right okay. so i would just sell um, it and uh you hope someone would buy it and that's one of the reasons not going to debt for this mm-hmm. we see too many stories right. of people taking on two hundred thousand dollars in sba loans business fails well guess what you don't get to just erase that debt now you still owe two hundred thousand right. dollars so move slow move at the okay. speed of cash and remind yourself why you even did this it was, hey, I just want to make a little extra cash. That's it's right. okay if you don't turn this thing into an empire uh, in the North Pole. But 
What a cool story that would be. That would be amazing. She's crushing She's it She's on her there. way. All right. Thank you for the call, Jacqueline. Stay warm. More of The Ramsey Show right around the corner. We'll be back. I want to tell you a true story. I got a letter from Fran in Virginia once. She and her husband, Gary, were loaded down with debt. They decided to get serious and worked for over two years to pay off $65,000. They were able to buy their dream home. Gary had just started a new job and things were looking really good. Six months later, Gary unexpectedly died. Wow. Tears my heart out. Besides the grief and shock, Fran had no income, was on her own, and her Social Security benefits couldn't pay the mortgage. Talk about feeling lost and alone. The only good part of this story is that Gary had term life insurance through Xander, so Fran was able to deal with her grief without being overwhelmed with money issues. Sad story, but I share it with you to make a point. For over 25 years, I've been telling you about the importance of term life insurance and protecting your family. Having life insurance is what responsible people do for their families. It's why I tell you every day to go to Xander.com or call them at 800-356-4282. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I'm George Camel, joined by Jade Warshaw. Open phones at 888-825-5225. The Ramsey Show question of the day is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services. In case you're a new listener, you might be wondering, what, what does that mean? Well, Neighborly is a family of locally operated home service providers who are dedicated to giving homeowners excellent service. So start your search today at neighborly.com slash Ramsey. Today's question comes from Kate in Nebraska. She says, I've always told my 18-year-old son to avoid debt, which means he has no credit score. A family friend who is the same age recently tried to buy a car insurance and was quoted outrageous prices because she doesn't have a credit score. She was able to get added to her grandma's policy for less than a quarter of the price. This has made me think uh, he should get a credit card and build a good credit score. How can a young person get insurance at a reasonable price with no credit history? Well, you know, there's there's something to there's a couple of areas to this, George, that my mind goes to immediately. Number one, the type of car. That's true. Number one, if the car is paid for or not, does definitely can increase your rate. Like obviously if you have a brand new, you know, 2023, um, uh, what's a nice car, George? I don't know cars. Like not a Civic, but like a like a sporty car, sportier car. Yeah. The col- Camaro, Camaro. Camaro. Like the color of the car matters. Like if you get a Camaro in red, listen, that insurance is bonkers. Um, and there is just something, depending on the state that you live in, if you live in South Florida and you're a new driver, yep. like it's just going through the roof. So there are a lot of factors there. Um, but at the core of this question is really the credit score. And that's what I think that we need to dig in the most because it's it's one factor. So, Jade, I actually wrote an article on the Ramsey Solutions website called Insurance Score, How Insurance Providers Use Your Credit Score. So in here, uh-huh. I talk about the other factors because uh-huh. credit score is one factor. We will admit that. But sure. there's other factors like your age. Yeah. The younger you are, the more expensive it's going to be. I'm sorry, but teenagers are likely to get into a fender bender. Yeah, that's not going to change. And so, uh, you know, Gen Z is getting the mine shaft here. Um, while boomers get the gold mine. I'm sorry. Uh, your location, like Jade was mentioning, high population areas are going to mean higher premiums. Rural areas, lower premiums. Again, it's all about risk for this insurance company. It's not because they hate you. Mm-hmm. It's all a measure of risk. And lastly, it's your history of claims. So uh, if your kid has had a fender bender already, their insurance is going to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. 
and it stinks. So those are a few factors. But if you don't have a credit score, there's still a lot of ways to get a better deal on your premiums, which is pay your your other bills on time. They're going to look at other payment history, and so you want to avoid those late penalties. You also can bundle you know, auto insurance with other types of insurance to save. Mm-hmm. You can raise the deductible. If you guys are out of debt, fully funded, emergency fund, a higher deductible puts a little bit more risk on you, but it lowers your premium. And uh, the other thing, Jade, is people will shop with one company. They'll go with some name brand they saw on a Super Bowl commercial instead of shopping around. So That's what right. I do is I shop with one of our Ramsey Trusted Pros. So I get in touch with my people at Xander Insurance, and I say, hey, can you shop the top companies and tell me what the best rate is and they these are only really highly rated companies these aren't bobo brands yeah um but they also may not be the big ones you've heard of that's true so that can also save you big money just going oh we're not getting a good deal i need to shop in with an independent broker that's a really good point and there's also a deeper level to this conversation that i just want to tackle real quick because the fact of the matter is when you living a life without a credit score does is not always the easiest choice in the moment because you can always find like a bunch of kind of like little factors well it'd be it'd just be easier if he had a credit score then he'd just have a lower rate and you kind of think of it like that and that that pops up a lot of times think about renting a car people say oh well if you you don't have a credit score you can't rent a car and i'm like you can you may have to jump through a few more hoops like let's be honest about that you may they may make take more of a a hold on your account you know all these things that yeah if you had credit, they might not do that. But if you had credit, do you also know what you have is debt? So you can't have one without the other. You know, same thing with credit cards. People are like, oh, it's just easier for me to just pull out my credit card and swipe it. I'm like, yeah, that's why you swipe it so much because it's easier. So there's a discussion here about it's really what you're trading. You know what I mean? And it's like, listen, if you're saying I want to set my kid up for success and you understand that part of the way that you're setting him up for success is I'm teaching him that we don't have to borrow money. We don't need a credit score. We give ourselves credit that we can earn the money we need. We can manage the money we have in order to have the lifestyle that we feel we deserve. And I feel like that's the teaching that's behind this. And when you make that choice and draw that line in the sand, you're also saying to yourself, yes, you may have to jump through a few more hoops because the fact is our society is not set up for it doesn't favor the people who choose to not use credit it it favors the people who do use credit so there is that piece of this that you just have to accept and go listen i'm willing to take a couple hits sometimes in order to maintain my peace and i think that that's what we need to be teaching our kids is that give yourself credit don't depend on the credit score oh i like that yeah that's true and uh, getting that affordable used car and have your kid work part-time to afford the insurance these are good skills for this kid to learn and then the insurance will go down over time as the kid gets older so uh, i'm gonna just suck it up and uh, do all those things i mentioned we'll put a the link in the show notes james the producer can we do that to the insurance score article that will give you all those tips I mentioned and give you a deeper dive on that. Love it. All right, Nick is up next in Providence, Rhode Island. Nick, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Sure. Hey, so I was hoping for some advice or a little guidance. Um, my wife and I, uh, we have two young kids under uh, under four years old, a four and a two-year-old, just purchased our, um, our forever home in Connecticut. Uh, we previously owned, I, I had two rental properties previous to that, um, holding on to one and we sold the one that we were living in half, uh, and then purchased our new house. Um, I have some money in savings and I have an opportunity that if I were to sell my other rental property that I do have debt on, 
um, I'd be able to pay off my primary residence. Um, and I'm kind of going back and forth, um, whether it's a good idea or not. Um, you know, I, I, um, yeah, I just, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm kind of torn a little bit, you know, whether to do it or whether to keep the money and invest it and maybe get some more rental properties. <laughs> um, but I would have to take on more debt, obviously, which I know, uh, you know, I've been with you guys for a few months now. And it's, um, you know, not really the past, you know, that suggested. Look, what do you owe on your forever home? Uh, 405. 405. And if you sold the rental, what would it bring? So the rentals, I could sell it for five fifty, and I owe two forty eight. So I probably take home after taxes right around two sixty. So it wouldn't be enough to actually, it wouldn't be enough to fully pay off your forever home. It would just make a big dent. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So well, I, I have uh, just under three hundred thousand in the bank as well, like liquid cash. Oh, that changes hey, things. I like it. <laughs> Um, that's from the, our other rental property that we had when we sold that. We got it. In half, so we had to pay taxes on half when we sold it. So, how yeah. how much money do you guys make a year? Uh, so we net around twelve thousand a month. Um, my wife's in nurse when we moved into the new house. She actually ended up uh, only going to two days a week, um, and then I work. Um, I make around one fifty five, and she makes around sixty now. Amazing. Just curious, the rental when you rent it, how much does it bring? Like, what do you profit from it every month? Yeah. Yep. So I actually just handed it over to a property management company. It was cash flowing around twenty six hundred dollars a month. So that's after you know mortgage. After what it brings in, I cleared twenty five hundred. Now it's you know just over two thousand. Okay. And then I also I'm just curious. Your forever home. What's the mortgage payment on it? Yeah. So it's a high interest rate. Uh, it's at thirty seven hundred right now. Listen. I I'm what here's what here's the numbers I see. I'm looking, I'm like, okay, listen, $2,000 of cash flow, that's great. But if you paid off your, if you sold this rental, paid off your home mortgage, now you've got the 3,700 or a portion of that, because obviously, you know, you've got to keep paying your taxes and whatnot. You get that back in your pocket and now you're turning around and you're restacking your savings, essentially. You're either adding it back to, um, your house is paid off so you can invest as much as you want. Like you can literally turn around and invest that money. And I feel like that's the move. That's a lot of money, George. Yeah. And the other option is you guys make great money. If you could stack up a hundred grand extra, you could just pay off your primary residence from the savings and keep the rental and then attack that one next. Hey, so like either it. either way, I like that plan, but let's get aggressive about making one of these moves happen. I don't think you'll regret selling the rental and having a paid for house because you're going to be able to get another rental lickety split with that kind of income and no payments, my man. This is The Ramsey Show. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I'm George Camel, joined by Jade Warshaw. This is your show. Give us a call at 888-825-5225. We'll talk about your life and your money. Well, Jade, uh, producer James slipped this on the desk, and it's a fantastic, fun article from Yahoo. People are revealing the everyday items they had to stop buying because they became too expensive. That sounds like a BuzzFeed headline. Yeah. Like, BuzzFeed people, they have no character limit for these headlines. (laughs) Goodness gracious. That's funny. Listen, yesterday's prices are not today's prices. We all know that and we all feel that. So let's read a few off and see if they're relatable here. Number one, concert tickets. It's like everyday things people stop buying because they became too expensive. I didn't go see Beyonce. Everybody else was renaissancing and I was at home. Mm, I felt the same way with Taylor Swift. Everyone was Taylor Swifting. I'm like, y'all got got some money. Bro, folks were cashing out their 401ks to get these tickets. 
I just can't stop. What's the most expensive concert you've you've Ooh, paid for? Recently? For one ticket. Okay, thank you, George, for teeing this up. I saw you two in the sphere. Oh, my goodness. And Were I you, was deeply disappointed. Can you tell us how much those cost? Because no one has told me. Um, Is it like $1,000 a ticket? On the, it, oh, everything all in for both of us, it was about $1,000. So 500 bucks a ticket. Yeah, and if, oh if you spent double that, you could get even better seats. And I just... It, it did not... Not a $1,000 experience for you. <sighs> Here's the thing. It made it worth it because it was my husband's 40th. But on another occasion, I would have been like, I want my money back. Oh, gosh. Just saying, just and just saying, imagine just how many people put that experience on the credit card. Because how many people are like, you're you're budgeting for this trip. You know exactly what it's going to cost. You've got, you're paying for everything in cash. They've done studies, George, that say, you know, we already know that when you put stuff on credit, you spend more because you don't feel it. They've done studies that said um, one of the high, one of the purchases that you'll spend the highest percentage more on up to a hundred percent more is concert tickets. That makes sense. People will literally pay double the price when they put it on their card. Well, and I think the younger generations are willing to fork over more for experiences yes and then they get the older crowds the gen xers and the boomers with the nostalgia yeah now everyone's got i mean elton john's on his 90th final reunion tour i'm like goodness gracious yeah but those tickets aren't as expensive and that's what that's what i say go watch the old heads perform like i go see kenny Loggins. you know what i'm saying like i go see these old acts because the tickets are like 70 (laughs) dollars oh my goodness yeah okay that's a good one next up we've got bowling Oh, this person said a few years ago, my girlfriend and I went bowling at a local place. It was maybe 60 bucks for shoe rental and two hours of bowling for two people. Recently, we checked prices online. Same rental and playing time is one hundred and fifty dollars. Whoa. Are they bowling? I I mean, that thing better come with like a massage while I sit and wait for my turn for one hundred fifty bucks. Right. That's crazy. What's next? She says ads and okay, ads being added to Amazon Prime and Netflix was a breaking point for me. Oh, what does that mean? The ads? I guess it didn't make it more expensive, but it's just a frustrating piece there that you're paying that much for something that still has ads. Well, my thing is Amazon Prime and Netflix, the price has gone up. Like Hulu too. Those like all those little subscription like in my mind, streaming services. It was like, I don't know, five to eight dollars. Now everything's like nineteen ninety nine if you want in H D. Otherwise we're gonna show it in black and white yeah. and four by three in seven twenty. Everyone went went into the teens. They went from the single digits to the teens for sure. Mm. Oh, all this right. one's relatable. Everyday items that people stop buying because they became too expensive, Airbnb. Oh. Anytime I look on Airbnb and I see all these fees, like, it's $99 a night, but there's a $400 cleaning fee. Listen, clean just, it. Just, I Spend what you need to get it clean because I, I need to know it's clean. I'm just saying, I usually, the only time I stay in an Airbnb, if it's with a big group and we mm-hmm. want to do something fun and local and we're mm-hmm. hanging out, we did that in Arizona. It was fun. But otherwise... I'm just staying in a hotel. I, I'm sorry. You know what? I I stay in a hotel because I feel like there's a corporate juggernaut supporting the fact that my hotel room needs to be That's cleaned true. properly. I've seen some Airbnb horror stories. Okay. Uh-uh. So there's and part of me that's listen, like, they're I kind of like, get it. Hey, could you go ahead and start the laundry for me? And while you're at it, there's some weeds that need to be pulled from the back. I'm like, listen, I'm not what? here to do your chores. Please. Yeah. I'm paying you for a service. Okay. No way. Oh, look, ordering pizza. Is getting too oh. expensive. This person says, I'll still order for pickups sometimes if there's a good deal, but no more just picking up the phone and randomly oh. ordering a pizza. That's wow. my, my toxic trait is I'm always like, I am picking up the pizza. I ain't paying for delivery. 
And my wife and friends like, dude, just pay for delivery. I'm like, it's $4.99 for the delivery fee. Then you got to tip the pizza person who delivered it. Are we talking about just basic like Domino's or Pizza Hut? Or are we talking about like Uber Eats delivering a a specialty pizza? Uh, I think this is more the whatever your casual local pizza place is. I will never use Uber Eats. I don't trust Uber Eats personally. I, and it's not to down because I know a lot of people do that as a side hustle. You know I just they're, can't they're grabbing the a fry. Money. Well, and they're grabbing a fry for yeah. sure. That driver is grabbing a fry. You mean to tell me if I go pick up your order at McDonald's and that fresh, hot McDonald's French fry is sitting right there in my cup holder, I'm not going to reach over and just grab a couple? I have trust issues. Listen, me though, too. we got a lot of people doing side hustles, paint, getting out of debt. That's driving what I'm saying. I'm not mad at them. Well, Keep our, doing it. Our crew, they're not doing that nasty stuff. So no, our people trust, do it right. If you're out of the, if you're on this thing for the right reason, gazelle intensity, you're not that person. But I just know that happens out there. Yeah. No, um, keep support your local. Listen, if you have the money, support your local Uber Eats driver because they're trying to get out of debt. And and while you're at it, pay for my order too. <laughs> I like that. All right, next thing people stop buying because they came, became too expensive is new clothes. Someone said, tried to downgrade from the mall to Amazon, but that stuff's mostly trash. Listen. Well, Rachel Cruz's feelings are hurt. She loves shopping for You have for to know how to Amazon. shift through the trash though, cause, and I don't know how, so... They said, I thrift now. It's not as bad as I anticipated. A lot of the stuff is discarded with tags. I even found a sweater that I'd wanted years ago. That's good. Thrifting is on point. Listen. Reduce, reuse, recycle. There you go. This girl said, I love this. She said, my car. I just said, screw it. I'll work from home and get me a bike. Wow. Come on, girl. I know that's that's right. That's good for the body, too. You know, getting your workout in. It's good for the planet. I like it. But yeah, cars, especially if you live in a city... You know, obviously some places you mm-hmm. can't just get rid of your car and bike around. I True understand. That. Some True climates, that. some locations. But a lot of people that live in an area with public transportation, I'm from mm-hmm. Boston. Mm-hmm. You don't need a car living in Boston. You That's can get around true. to most places uh, with the T, But as we call it. let's talk about just saving money on gas because I just and feel insurance. like even if you don't live in an area that you can get from most place to place, like you might have to drive your car to get to work, but you might. Publix is around the corner. You might be able to walk to get your groceries or ride your bike to get your groceries. I think we need to start considering, you know, being a little bit more creative with our transport. That's good. Last one on the list, eating out. They said not worth the price and the food quality is not there anymore and there are smaller portions for higher prices. I agree with that. Very true. That feels like a complaint I would leave. 100%. And listen, I am not buying a cocktail at these restaurants. Like, if it's a... If it's a very nice, fancy restaurant, and I know that they craft very nice cocktails, I'll buy one. But if we're going to Applebee's, which I rarely, you know, listen, I'm not going to Applebee's, but I'm just saying, don't, don't buy a cocktail at Applebee's. Yeah. It's when not Jade is going it. to, what, Red Lobster and getting a lobster Why does it got to be Red Lobster, George? The Cheddar Bay Biscuits. <laughs> You're dipping it in the Lobsterita. Okay, that's disgusting. No, that's a good one, though. I, I'm actually going out to eat tonight with my wife. It's our, it's our date night. And we're going to a nice, like, high-end sushi place. And I'm already, like, I'm getting ready for this bill, Jade. Listen, George, I'm still on Red Lobster. <laughs> I'm still on Red Lobster. And if you invite me, I'm going every time. I'm just telling you right now. You can't pass up the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. No, Hashtag can't. not sponsored. But it's true. Like, let's call out that inflation has made things more expensive. We're not here to yes. tell you that you're making it up. But also, don't overinflate it and get all big and emotional just don't buy it anymore. Half the stuff that we're upset about with inflation are not, they're luxuries, Jade. I know, I know. Like I, outside of rent and gas and and normal basics like groceries, Aldi still exists. I was in the other day and I was like, oh, food's not that bad. Like you can get a, yeah. fill up a buggy for a hundred bucks. Yeah. For me, it's the tipping fatigue. Like I feel like some of the reason I've pulled back on certain things is I'm just 
the tipping fatigue is what got me. It's like, all right, listen, I would usually pop in and maybe get a coffee, but I'm tired of dealing with the guilt mm. of not tipping. So it's like, I'll just save the money on the tip and the coffee. Like, I feel like it's that combination of inflation plus the dialed up yes. tipping. And for me, well. it's fees. Everything's got fee. I'm calling it fatigue. Fatigue. I like it. Hey, on the tipping thing, normally, you know, they, they flip the screen around. Or someone else asks you, like, do you want to tip your, you know, bar? Yeah, yeah. I've had people recently ask me, do you want to tip like me? The self verbally ask. That's the most awkward. Oh. I would tip you, James. You're I would worth too. It. Worth every dime. Not today, but one day we'll tip you. <laughs> mm, listen, I'm all for generosity, but not when it's a requirement and it's forced. That's right. Hey, good stuff. This is the Ramsey Show. Our scripture of the day, Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Thomas Sowell said, Much of the social history of the Western world over the past three decades has involved replacing what worked with what sounded good. Ooh. That'll make you think. That'll burn some brain calories That'll right there. that make you stroke your beard, yes. Good stuff. I got one. It's, it's not much, but it's there. <laughs> All right, this is The Ramsey Show. I'm George Camel, joined by Jade Warshaw. David is up next in Chicago, Illinois. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. How can we help? Well, I am kind of planning out the next phase of my life. I'm uh, almost 54 years old and looking at retirement in the next six, eight years. Cool. And the plan is to eventually sell all of the assets and live on a sailboat, sail the Caribbean for about six months out of the year. And when hurricane season hits, you put it on on the shore and live up in a house up in northern Wisconsin. Wow. So I guess Whoa. I'm just looking for affirmation that uh, I can do it, I can afford it, and then the best plan of attack to uh, finalize up the savings and so forth. What Very a cool. cool plan. Yeah. That's fun. All right. So are you single? I am. I'm happily divorced, no kids. Okay, so you're ready. This is going to be a solo adventure for you. No, actually, the uh, the girlfriend is in on the adventure. Uh, okay. She is, she is going to take care of the house up uh, wherever we decide to leave, uh, live the uh, summer months at. Mm-hmm. I figure I'll probably check out long before she does, and then that way that's she's taken care of on her end because she's done that, and I'm taking care of the boat and everything on my end. Wow. When so, you say sell the assets, what does that entail? Um, currently have about 10 cars, an airplane, uh, my house is paid for. Um, and then as far as what I've got in money market, 401ks and type stuff. Wow. So obviously the, the cars will go away. The airplane will go away. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to it. assume your net worth is in excess of $5 million. Oh God, no. What is it? <laughs> uh, actually just added things up. I'm sitting right about 1.2. Okay. okay. Um, so, I mean, what are these 10 cars for? You just collect them? Um, yeah, I mean, I've had them for, I've built them up the collection over the years. Uh, two of them are gifts that are going to be gifted to my nephews when when they each turn 16. Um, so really, I guess I only have eight, and they're seven days in a week, and so you got to have a spare, I guess. <laughs> are, they all, are they all paid for? Like, is all is, is there a debt on any of this? No, everything's paid for. The okay. cars, uh, the values on the cars total about 530000 and that's insured value, fiber classics, um, muscle cars type stuff. Cool. And then, um, and you're willing to give all of this up for the dream of the sailboat? Well... How much does a sailboat cost? I'm looking between 
225 to 250 to spend on a boat. Okay. Is I, that used? Can, yeah, definitely by used. And the thought process is actually to uh, try to acquire one in the next 12 to 18 months. That way I've got time to do anything that needs to be done to it so that when we're ready to go, it goes with us and it's ready to go. And then that way it's also paid for. So the question um, is, though, my question is $250,000, great. Why do you have to sell everything to get that? Because, you know, you said yourself 530 is in, is in the cars alone. I don't know what the airplane is worth. And then you've got this other house. That's a lot. That's going to bring a lot of money. I don't know why we well, have to liquidate everything. When I go to retire, things will be liquidated, not not to acquire the boat. Um, the, the plan is to acquire the, the floating asset got that it. I paid for. And either, and, and maybe use it a few times a year, maybe put it out on charter a couple times a year, but then so that in the next seven, eight, nine years, whenever I decide to stop flying for a living, that I can just sell everything and, and move on to the next adventure. And then that money you just drop into some sort of investment accounts? Exactly. Got exactly. it. And How much that, do you make? Some, um, a little over 200 Wonderful. Um, yeah, base, I fly corporate jets for a living. And, you know, base is about 190 between extra stuff. And if I do any contract work for a couple thousand a day, I it, just call it roughly 200. Okay. And just to clarify, the girlfriend, she would purchase in her name the house in Wisconsin or what's the plan for that? Because I know that's, you said she'd take care of it, but I want to know more. That's her plan. That's the plan is that she would acquire, she lives separately in her own house now. So she would eventually either take out a mortgage or uh, she would acquire the house that we would live in for six months out of okay. the year. Six months out of the year, we'd live on a sailboat and sail the Caribbean. Okay. And then obviously uh, that way, you know, that house, again, she's going to live longer than I will. But she doesn't have this house in Northern Wisconsin yet, or does she? She'd sell her Not house yet. to we, get it. Right. She would sell okay. her house to get it. And, and uh, she does okay financially. Um, not great, but she has a nice pension set up, so she's in good shape there. What's the situ Would you pay rent when you're there for six months out of the year to help her cover the mortgage? How does this work? No, you're just living together. Like she's yeah. she covers it. He does the boat. Like you'll cover the boat six months. She covers the house six months. Yeah, is that the Correct. idea? Now, is there yeah. any plan to get married? Or no? Probably not. No. Okay, you're just li no living your to... life. Okay. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're both divorced. Uh, her kids are d are done and grown. And, uh, yeah, and you're keeping the money separate. Like, it sounds like everything is financially correct. very separate. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, I make more than she does. Um, so I carry, you know, the, the majority of the burden when we go out or vacation type stuff now. Yeah, but that's, uh, you're the boyfriend. So, and you don't mind doing that, it sounds like. No, no, not okay. at all. Okay. All right. Nothing sounds way off here. My big question is, are you going to be able to, once you officially retire, you're not bringing in more income, will your assets generate enough income to cover all of your expenses? I would hope so. Um, I've always, you know, 25 years ago, uh, I was gifted the book, The Millionaire Next Door, obviously read that and kind of lived by that most of my life. Um, I, I try to live well below my means. Um, but yeah, I guess in my mind, I, I want to have a couple hundred more tucked away before I make this ultimate move. What's in your 401k, like all of your retirement accounts combined? That's what I was going to um, My money market account, uh, has about 120 in it. My checking account is about 40. Um, I've got two uh, IR, 401ks, about 145. Um, currently, 20% of my salary goes into my 401ks. I have the the Roth that I have that I just opened up in the last uh, 
a few weeks. That'll be topped out here in a couple of weeks. Um, and you have catch-up contributions as well, so that helps you. Yeah, and I really don't spend a lot of money. I get, half, the, half of my monthly, uh, I'm out on the road flying, and so all of my expenses are there. My per diem is covered. Uh, my per diem on the road actually covers what I eat the rest of the month. So, so like, really I have, like 450 all in and diff- various retirement accounts. Does that sound about right? Uh, well, you've got a house that's worth about 300. Well, just just the retirement accounts. Because I'm looking at what is actually creating income right now. The only thing that's doing that is the 145 in the 401k and some in the Roth. Correct. So I would, if I'm in your shoes and you really want to live this dream, I would liquidate now, take that money, put it into investments, max out all of your tax advantage accounts, put the rest in a taxable brokerage into index funds, mm-hmm. and let that money grow for the next six to eight years. There's also the 120 that's in a money market that's at uh, 5.65 yeah. APR. And I still, I think, okay, and you've got the 40000 in checking. I think that you've got a lot of money in a lot of places. It would do you well to kind of get it organized and work with a professional if you're not already. When I look okay. at when I look at this just at a glance, I look at it and I go, okay, he's got 40,000 in checking. I'm moving that to a high yield savings and I'm going to call that just my emergency fund. And then I'm going to take this 120 that's in money markets. I'm going to invest that probably into some kind of brokerage account again working with a professional. Then I thought I heard you said you had 145 in retirement and another 140 or so in another type of retirement fund. That's good. Um and so I think it's just kind of consolidating this. And to George, George's point, whatever you can liquidate now, that's not a necessity that you're like, listen, I have it because I have it. But if, if, if you really want to make that money work for you, I would work with an investment professional and get it invested so that when the time comes, you want to make sure that you can live off of that nest egg. You can keep maintain the lifestyle you have in greater without really touching you know, the nest egg if you don't want to, so that you know that you can go, you know, as long as possible. So that's what I'm looking at. And I would, I mean, just liquidating the cars alone, if you went from 54 to 62, you took all that money and put it in an investment account making 10%, you'd have $1.1 million at 62 when you're ready to retire. So just something to think about to have assets that are actually generating income instead Mm -hmm. of just a bunch of toys. But I'm hoping this dream works out, man. It sounds awesome. Call us from the sailboat one day. That'd be fun. That puts this hour of The Ramsey Show in the books. My thanks to Jade Warshaw, my co-host, all the folks in the booth keeping the show afloat, and you, America. We'll be back before you know it.